Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Dr. Tony Picus is a highly regarded clinical psychologist and postdoctoral researcher from Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Picus is a leading authority in the realm of mental health, specializing in the treatment and research of body dysmorphic disorder, or BDD, and other intricate body image disorders. Her credentials include a Bachelor of Science with honors and a PhD in clinical psychology, a testament to her unwavering commitment to advancing the field. I was introduced to Dr. Picus's research at the Mertz presentation and project titled The Confidence to Be You. This presentation and research looked at the link between confidence and appearance through cosmetic and non-cosmetic enhancement procedures. Dr. Picus is renowned for her pioneering research that centers around deciphering patient motivations, expectations, and outcomes related to non-surgical cosmetic procedures. Beyond her academic achievements, she co-founded ReadyMind, an organization dedicated to developing psychological screening tools and consultations tailored for the cosmetic industry. In this fascinating conversation, you'll gain insights into Dr. Picus's extensive research around self-acceptance and confidence when it comes to aging and appearance. We talk about the impact of social media and social norms in determining our expectations and also satisfaction from surgical and non-surgical treatments and experiences. This episode explores the vital intersection of psychology and well-being. I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Tony Picus on this important episode of Ageless by Rescue pretty privileged, the beauty premium, it's been termed all these different sorts of things. And there is a lot of research evidence to support it that, you know, the way that we look, our attractiveness, beauty makes a difference, particularly on those first impressions and decisions that are based on those first impressions. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like it makes sense when there are these benefits to being beautiful, to being attractive. Of course, people want to do what they can to increase their pretty privilege. I think the danger of it is when we take that too far. So I think, you know, it makes sense that, you know, we want to put our best face forward and look as best as we possibly can. Often, particularly with people with body dysmorphic disorder that come in, they they report those statistics to me, you know, but you know, people are more likely to get a job or they're more likely to have satisfied blind dates. And that's why I need to be beautiful. Um, and I think it can be taken to the extreme that, you know, we need to strive for that beauty at all costs, that we sort of forget about other things that are important sometimes in the process. And that's the risk of it. And so when you work with clinical patient, is yeah. that your end goal then? Um, so not just in the BDD side, but if someone comes to you with with just presenting maybe even light versions of that, is your goal to guide them towards greater self-confidence? Yes, absolutely. And aesthetic treatments can be one part of that journey as well. That can be one thing that you do that helps to increase your confidence. But I want to work with people to develop confidence that's balanced, that comes from the way that they look, that comes from their abilities, their relationships, that comes from an inherent sense of self-worth that even if you have a bad body image day or a bad hair day, you know, you're still a worthy person. You're still a good person. It doesn't mean you can't leave the house that day. And so getting your confidence from a range of sources is often what I want to work with people on. 
I've got to jump in here and say something that I saw, and I would love your opinion on this. I saw um, the advancements in AI where AI had generated influencers and they had set up social media accounts for these AI-generated images of uh, influencers and they were kind of mid-journey. They walk, they talk, they were in social settings, they were in group settings, and it was indetectable um, whether they were real or AI-generated. And they were some of the best-looking men and women I have seen in my life. And I, knowing that I was looking at an AI-generated image, I, as a nearly 50-year-old woman who is well-versed in all of this, who attends these seminars, who speaks to professionals all the time for my job. Mm -hmm. There was a part of my brain that coveted that appearance, that coveted that skin tone and quality, that beautiful um, hair, that Mm. perfect bone structure, that youthfulness. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be really problematic because it's one thing to want to emulate a social media influencer or an actor or an actress who is a real human being, but it is a whole other uh, ball of dice to want to look like an AI-generated perfect image, and it's here. Yeah. Yeah. It scares me as well. I've also been seeing a few of those AI-generated influences online and it's terrifying. Yeah, that experience that you're talking about is so common when you're getting particularly non-surgical procedures where there's sort of repeated treatments or maintenance treatments over time. It's called perception drift, essentially. So you forget what you look like when you started or before you started the journey. And so the first treatment you get, obviously you get the biggest difference because you go maybe from nothing or from a baseline to the improvement of the treatment. And that's where people have the biggest confidence boost, the biggest dopamine hit almost in the the 100%. Yes. Yeah. But then the next time, especially if it's a maintenance treatment, you don't want to get that big difference again the same time because you don't want to make your appearance look drastically different every time you get the procedure because if you do, that's when you start to look a bit distorted or a bit strange or you drift away from what you originally started with. So ideally, you're, you know, your injector or whoever you're seeing is doing something quite subtle to maintain the results. So you don't see as big a difference. But the other thing that happens in your brain is your brain adjusts to your new appearance. And so that becomes the new normal. And so it's where that happens that we can see not just benefits for confidence, but also benefits sometimes for your professional life and your professional performance and your social life, because people feel like, you know, I can be seen again, which I think is, is terrible from a society perspective that people feel like they, they need to, and that we have that bias. But I do think that's something that these treatments gave to the people that we saw in the Mertz um, confidence campaign, that it gave them that feeling of being visible again or being able to put that put themselves out there again. And we see that in Just Like That as well, which is why yeah, I love very it. much. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to ask uh, your opinion on, uh, again, it comes from the videos that we watched at that presentation, is... What happens when, so, you know, we follow the journey of these people who are perhaps having these treatments for the very first time 
and you know they they find that they are looking better the thing that i thought was interesting and definitely it plays with the conversations that i have with people my age is in your head often you feel a lot younger than maybe you're presenting to the world and that's one of the reasons that a lot of people like to have the aesthetic procedures that, but also will even dress a certain way or style their hair or makeup a certain way and because they feel that there's an incongruence between how they feel in their heart and how they perceive themselves in their head and what the outside world sees. And I'm wondering, as a clinical psychologist, do you think that's an unhealthy chasm or do you think that that's quite normal and nice to embrace? Hmm. I think it's a really normal thing. Like whenever we have that incongruence in various areas of our life, you know, if it's attractiveness, if there's a way we feel like we would like to look or our ideal self that we're not living up to, it's natural that we look for ways to sort of narrow that gap and, and bring it back together again. So I think in that way, if, you know, you're feeling youthful and you're feeling, you know, you feel like your, your appearance isn't reflecting that, of course, you know, look for ways to bring that more congruent, more, more congruence into your life and to embrace the identity that you feel like you should have. I think, you know, obviously everything can be taken to the extreme, but I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in wanting to look on the outside, how you're feeling on the inside. I love that about the Mertz campaign as well, because one of the main reasons they started this campaign and Woodrow Wilson from Clinical Imaging was really passionate about it was that, you know, whenever you saw these before and after photos that were used in presentations and advertising, it was always stock photos of people who already looked quite perfect to begin with. And then it's like, well, you can't really tell the difference of what the aesthetic treatment did because they looked great. And this was- Or they were doctored. They were like fake photos where they, which, which was disgusting. So I'm actually thrilled that there's been some rules around that. Yeah. And then in this campaign, what it was, was it just showcasing normal, regular people wanting to look like a better version of themselves, not wanting to look like someone else. And I think that was really powerful and seeing the impact that that unique beauty for them could make a difference. wasn't looking like an influencer or looking like a celebrity. It was just like, I just want to look like a better version of me. Um, And I think like what you're saying, if we can showcase that, if there are diverse ways to be beautiful, to be attractive, whatever that means for the individual, I think that's a really nice direction for the industry to go in. And you're absolutely- all a bit- like no one is immune and you have to be like in a pretty perfect state of mind always to push out all of this social messaging all of this validation that you get externally um you you really have to be of extremely sound mind um and I don't know I mean I can only speak for myself I, I definitely am not you know a bad hair day can unravel a day for me and that and that's the truth you know i i will if i'm feeling really physically unprepared to face the world um it's not going to be a great day to like host a podcast <laughs> well your hair looks fantastic today <laughs> wow that's why we're recording <laughs> but yes definitely we all have those things we all have those insecurities so you know i have days like that as well where i look in the mirror and i can't find an outfit and i'm feeling insecure and gets to the point where you've tried 20 different outfits on and you're like oh, i don't even want to go anymore it's not yeah. worth it yeah and so we all have that um i think the extent of it when it comes to body dysmorphic disorder tends to be more extreme because most people you know 
in a kind of a healthy state of mind, you might say, yeah, I hate how my hair looks today, but you know, I can't cancel all the events on that I have to do. So I'm just going to go anyway. I'm not going to feel great about my hair. It's a bad hair day, but I'm just going to get on with it. Whereas often with BDD, it's really hard to actually do that. It's, you know, I'm, I, I can't leave the house today because of how it looks. So other things when it comes to that, you know, perception drift and keeping yourself in check, I think is, you know, when you're looking in the mirror after you've had treatments, trying to stand like an arm's length away from the mirror, not standing too close up. Because I think as soon as you stand close up and you start to scrutinize things, you start to identify little things that other people would never notice about you. And so, you know, keeping a distance and keeping the amount of time you spend looking at yourself in check can also be helpful. So, you know, doing, you know, being in the mirror for when you need to, if you're doing your hair, doing your makeup, but then apart from that, really trying to kind of set some limits on the amount of time you're spending, just scrutinizing your appearance. Because if we look for it, we'll find anything to fix. And so step away from the mirror and rather engage with other things, you know, be with your friends, be with your family, do things that you enjoy. And all of that can help broaden our confidence outside of our appearance as well. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson.